Welcome to CC Airwaves. I am Joel Hansel. She is Katie Karpinski. Today we are joined with uh, joined by uh, Rhonda Abrams, the bereavement coordinator with the Catholic Cemeteries Association. And today she is going to talk to us about what a person can expect during the first year of grief. Rhonda, welcome this morning. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Rhonda, how long have you been with the Catholic Cemeteries Association? This makes just shy of three years I've been here. Okay. And during your three years, what have you um, seen as, as your, greatest, your, your, your greatest challenge? Probably meeting the needs of people who have deep um, grief needs. The ones who um, had a problem um, previous to any grief with just expressing themselves or things like that. And then when they have the grief, it's compounded. So that was probably one of my deepest challenges is people who don't know how to process things. So, you know, I help with that too. That's great. And I think too, um, I don't think a lot of people know or understand how involved our bereavement program is. So could you talk a little bit more? Um, I think we've talked about support groups, but can you talk a little bit more about events you host to kind of help those people that might have a hard time communicating, you know, just in a support group environment? Right. Catholic Cemeteries has... um a wide range of options for people who are grieving. We have annual masses every year, uh, starting with the one-year anniversary mass that we have in March. And we pick March because it's the anniversary of St. Joseph. So we kind of celebrate the first year of someone's passing and help people through that with a mass. Then we have the Memorial Day mass, which is always the Monday of Memorial Day. Uh, we also have Cemetery Sunday Mass in November that helps people um, through the grieving process, uh, like right after All Souls Day. So we have the Masses. We also have events that are memorial, mm-hmm. such as uh, Walk to Remember. It's a walking rosary, and it's a memorial type of an event where you pray the rosary, um, thank God for the wealth of love that your loved one gave, and just ask for graces to be bestowed upon you through the prayers of the rosary. Mm-hmm. We also have some other events uh, throughout the year, and we try to stay in touch with the needs of the community. So if there's other things we see people needing in parishes, we try to provide things like that too. Mm-hmm. I just think that's great because I think most people who aren't familiar with different bereavement styles and programs just think that grief is kind of a stationary thing that everyone should approach in a similar way. And that's just kind of the opposite of what's true. Like everyone has a different way they grieve and a different type of grief depending on how they're related to the person and how close they were and all these different things, Um, which is, again, why I think it's so great that you offer so many different programs to appeal to so many different people. Right. So it's attuned to like uh, different um, personality types and, mm. you know, different people have different ways of processing things, like I said in the beginning. Mm. So there's different venues that they can use to get support. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, with that in mind, that actually kind of ties in nicely with the topic we wanted to talk about today. And like I just said, um, and like you said, grief isn't something that's universal. It's very different depending on the person. But 
Um, as a bereavement coordinator, have you noticed any common trends or any commonalities of people during their first year of grief? If someone's listening to this who recently lost a loved one, maybe what are some things they should keep in mind as they enter this first year? Right. Probably the first thing that they experience is um, a numbness. Probably it's it's kind of like a fog or you're in a dream state. It's not real yet. It's hard for the brain to process what happened. So a lot of times it takes weeks, months, sometimes more to just come to the reality that your loved one is not present with you mm -hmm. physically anymore. So um, brain fog, um, just mm -hmm. unfamiliar with um, what to do, where to go. Um, forgetfulness, things like that. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of emotional type of uh, effects. You might be forgetful. You might have a hard time relating with your family or friends like you used to. They don't understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so they don't know how to relate to you. They don't know how to talk to you anymore. Even if they also lost a loved one, right? Exactly. Because they might all be going through their own type exactly. of distance. And yeah. And because of the differences in personalities, mm -hmm. they might process their grief differently. And you may not see them grieving, but they might be grieving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds so, very interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that's important for families to remember is that if there is that distance at the start, it's not because, you know, you don't love each other enough or that something's wrong with you. It's just you're all taking your own time in your own way. Right. And I so. think we all tend to compare yeah. in anything. Mm -hmm. So we compare griefs, which is not the thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we have numbness and forgetfulness. There's also and physical effects. Um, loss of appetite. You might have stomach aches. You might get blurry vision, uh, fatigue, a lot of fatigue. Sometimes there's um, spiritual effects. You mm. might have um, anger towards God. Your faith mm -hmm. might be shaken. Those are all normal things. Even I would tend to say even God might understand that, mm -hmm. that you might have anger towards God because this is something traumatic. Mm -hmm. And you don't know how to process it. And your first attack might be with God because he's supposed to control mm -hmm. all things. And you weren't expecting this. So that's the first person you strike out to. Yeah. So, but God's big enough to handle that. Um, some of the other effects might be um, social as far as isolating yourself. You may mm -hmm. not want to be around other people, mm -hmm. but the very thing you need to do is to be around people. So okay. you may feel some of those effects as well. So you're saying even though you might want to stay at home, it's better for those who are grieving to be in social situations? You may or not want you... to um, continue your normal type of interactions, mm -hmm. but you do need to be amongst people. Mm -hmm. um, any type of social uh, isolation tends to make the grief that more painful. So mm -hmm. it is good to be by yourself and have mm -hmm. some alone time. But also it's important to schedule time to be with other people, mm -hmm. especially those that are there to support you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To not deny those connections that you still have and right. to kind of lean on them. Right. You know, Only the strength. people that you know that can support you. If mm -hmm. there's people who are grieving also, you may not want to be with someone who can't support you. Mm -hmm. So you need to be a little wary of who can be your advocate and who who won't be. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, you, you mentioned a lot of different symptoms and things people can expect. Um, at what point do you, would someone want to maybe consider seeking professional help? 
And I know there's no timeline to grief, but a lot of these symptoms might, you know, indicate a deeper issue. So what are, what's some advice you have for people that might not be sure of where they stand? Right. If your days and weeks are not getting better after eight months, Mm -hmm. I would say the first six months be gentle with yourself Mm -hmm. and understand that you're going to experience these things, uh, physical effects, emotional, uh, your world is topsy-turvy the first six to eight months. Mm -hmm. So just understand that part is normal. Mm-hmm. And if you're not feeling better in six months, that's still normal. Mm-hmm. But if you're approaching eight months to a year and you're still not having good days, you're not getting out of bed. You're not eating. You're not doing things to help your physical self or mm-hmm. your emotional self. Then it's time to seek the help of someone professional. Not yeah. necessarily counseling, but counseling is good. It could be a trusted pastor, mm-hmm. a close friend who um, is a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you need to just talk and get things out. But when you are in a state of depression and depression is normal, but if your depression brings you down to a state where you can't climb out, it's time to get help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it can trigger some physical things that help, that help you to stay in that low place. Mm-hmm. I think that's important for people to remember, like you said, depression is a normal part of grief, but if it does cross that line, sometimes people do need those extra tools and support to get past, you know. And I think people know when they're at a point where they can't do normal things every day. Mm -hmm. They can't cook. They can't drive. They can't go here. When your day is just um, compounded with confusion and lack of understanding what you need to do, mm-hmm. then it's time to seek help. Okay. Yeah. Uh, real quick, oftentimes if if somebody loses a loved one, they go through with their um with their wake and their funeral and their burial. And usually like the first few weeks, family's real good about reaching out, inviting the person to uh, a meal or some family functions. It seems like like uh, like a lot of the family is is very willing to reach out, be supportive, like the first few weeks. But it doesn't sustain itself throughout that first year. And so, what would you or how would you instruct somebody to um, reach out? to to family uh to to not so that they're not isolated or feeling alone all the time um sometimes let maybe like the other family members are thinking well i i don't really want to bother them etc i want to give them their space they need to but you know I, I i think like sometimes you could find yourself sitting at home just waiting for hmm, somebody call. to call right a call yeah right um it's what you're mentioning is very typical with the with a grief timeline, the first uh, one to three months is a time when people are there to support you because they feel your pain. They understand what you're going through and they're there for you, but they go back to their normal lives. Right. They forget that you still are in stage one of your grief. And they don't quite know how to fit that into their schedules. So sometimes you might find people avoiding you or saying things that are insensitive just because they don't know what to say. Um, But in general, they're going back to their lives because it hasn't been disrupted. But you have to find something that's new. It's called a new normal. So a lot of times you have to take the upper road, even in your deprived state, 
And you have to reach out and forgive family and friends who don't know how to talk to you, who don't know how to relate to you. You have to be the upper person that says, here's my grief. Here's the elephant in the room. And this is what I'm feeling right now. Sometimes you have to step out of that. If you're in a very low place, you might not be able to get there. But if you're talking to a pastor or someone that's trusted, they might be able to walk you through a stage where you can get to a point where you can be assertive and say, okay, family or best friend who I thought was going to be there, this is what I need from you. Sometimes you have to be brave and courageous. And sometimes you have to talk to God and say, God, equip me with what I need so that I can reach out to others because they're not there and I thought they would be. I think it's important to know that that's not an act of selfishness or you're not, you know, trying to drive, you know, attention to yourself. It's a personal health, a mental and physical health issue that you need to draw attention to. Just like if someone had a sickness, you would Mm -hmm. need your family and your friends. I think there's a huge stigma on that right now that people are too afraid to open up or talk about, you know, even with grief aside, normal mental health issues because they're afraid of what, you know, people might think about them. So I think it's good, you know, like you said, just step out and not be afraid of what people might think, because if you need the help, you need the help and you're not going to get it by not saying anything. And I think one of the most important things you can do is to start with your prayer conversation with God. Mm. You need that connection to the divine in order to get past our human weaknesses. Um, our self is going to say, stay back, stay away from people. Um, you may just feel like climbing in a closet and staying in bed. Mm. But if you're in that relationship with God and you're asking God, I need help, he's going to provide the help. So you should anticipate God bringing things into your life to help mm. you. His graces, his blessings. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's other people that he can bring into your life. Mm-hmm. Um So sometimes it's just asking God to equip you Mm. with what you need, because in our human state, we don't have it by ourselves. So you talked about a new normal. What does a new normal, well, I I, I would suppose a a new normal would be different for everybody uh, as everybody's grief is different and as they work through the process and the different stages. So their new normal would tend to look different from somebody else's new normal. Uh, What could somebody do to help themselves get to a new normal? Okay. Normal in itself is not really normal because everybody's normal is their own. So you can't look at someone else and say, okay, their life is normal. Mine isn't. Well, there is no normal because everyone has their own, you know, stages that they're going through. Mm -hmm. But um, in order to get to a new state, because the ultimate goal of grief um, processing is to find the path that God has set out for you in the absence of your loved one. As long as we have breath in our bodies and we wake up every day, there's something God still has us here to do. So it's important to still stay in that connection with God, asking, what is it that you need me to do? God can bring you insight into what your new normal should be. Um, It could be one step ahead, like I'm going to open the window and get some light in the house today. It could be baby steps, you know, God will lead you to where you need to be 
uh, in the absence of your loved one. Say, for instance, you're a spouse and you've lost your husband or your wife. Well, your role is going to be entirely different now because you don't have that companion to go through bills or decisions or plans for the future Mm -hmm. um, to help with the kids. So God is going to put other people in place of where your loved one's role is and you have to seek those things out, but in a gentle, um, gradual process. Mm-hmm. So that could be your new normal. It's just getting to a state where, okay, I found my new purpose now. I'm no longer a wife, but I'm also still mother. I'm still sister. I'm still what other, you know, all the other things. And whatever gift God has placed in each one of us, that's where your new normal lies. So we always tell people, look to where your strengths are before the passing of your loved one and try to associate that to something on the other side. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. You know, that's just really beautiful. Like you said, aligning your gifts and understanding that while your role might have changed, each person on this earth still serves a very special purpose. And, you know, the loss of a loved one, as hard that might be, doesn't take away our innate purpose Mm -hmm. as a child of God. Right. You know what he's done for us. Right. And God will give the strength to get you to that new normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just seeking that out and open communication. Praying for it and asking Mm -hmm. for enlightenment. Yeah. 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 So I think um, to kind of sum around all these ideas, we've talked a lot about, you know, what people can expect, the different emotions and everything. Um, Let's take a look at the flip side. And if you know someone who's lost someone in the past year, what are some very practical things they can do for their family and friends that might not seem obvious? Right. Um, One of the things that we always say is, let me know what I can do to help. Mm -hmm. And I even say that sometimes to people, but I always think if a person is in this foggy state, Mm. They don't know what to ask for. Yeah. All they know is I'm lost. I don't know what I need. Mm. And um, the most important thing you can do is just be there. Mm-hmm. Um, words don't even matter sometimes. Just sitting with someone, having a cup of coffee, sharing a lunch, just being there. Mm. Sometimes words get in the way of things. And a person just wants someone to be there with them physically mm-hmm. because they lost that physical ne- connection with their loved one. Um, But here's some practical things that you can do if you know someone that um, has lost someone. You can say, I'm going grocery shopping today. What can I pick up for you? Instead of asking, what can I do? Think of things in your normal daily routine that you're doing Mm -hmm. that you can, you know, link to this person that's lost. Um, You can say, "Um, I made some dinner and then this is what I'm having Would you like me to drop off? You know, I made some extra Mm -hmm. or don't even ask. Just take it and say, I'm not coming in. I'm just going to drop it off and I hope you enjoy it. That kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, You may ask them if they can, you can take their kids to the movies or have a sleepover just so Mm -hmm. they can have some private time. Um, have you know, play date for the kids is a free time for mom. Sure. Or dad Mm -hmm. or whoever is the one that's grieving. Um. You may even want to say, I've got time off this week. Can I, what can I do to help sort through things in your house, like belongings oh, yeah. or laundry or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Everyday practical things. Just think of what you're doing normal in your life mm-hmm. and say, hmm, how can I help this person who's grieving? Maybe they need something from the laundromat or from, mm-hmm. you know, the drugstore or something. Sure. 
Because I think what Joel was saying earlier, too, the first couple of weeks are always really not easy, but more people are involved because it's so new. But I mm-hmm. think throughout the year, people often right. forget. And then, and then they tend to drop off. Right. Or I think Rhonda sum, uh, summarized it perfectly. They go about their own lives because mm-hmm. their life hasn't been disrupted. Yeah. And they just, for lack, for, I don't want to offer an excuse, but, but they get busy. Mm-hmm. And as a result of getting busy, they tend to to forget about this this person over here. Um, so, but yeah, that's that's excellent. Or even if like if if the person's a, a homebound individual, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they don't get around much really well, and you've got some running around to do, or you know, hey, I'm I'm going to Target. Right? Do you want to get out of the house for a little bit? Right. Sometimes yeah. they and just want to get out, and then maybe that would lead to while you're out. Well, why don't we stop and get? Lunch. Yeah. Let's, let's let's go to Panera have some soup. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And then you, yeah. all of a sudden you've kind of filled the afternoon for somebody and it, it helps move them a little bit closer to uh, a new normal. Right. Mm-hmm. Finding their way. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think we talked about a lot of really helpful you know, topics today. And hopefully this will bring some comfort. If it brings comfort to at least one person, I think we would have done um, our job. So do we have any other final comments before we? Probably the one thing that we want to remind our listeners is that um, we're never alone. Um, First and foremost, I keep saying God, God is always there with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people don't have their faith anymore. But God doesn't require that mm-hmm. regardless of if we have faith in God. He's still there for us. Mm-hmm. He's still reaching out to us every day, bringing us what we need. And it's just about being alert to what's there. Catholic cemeteries, we try to be there mm-hmm. for people who are grieving. That's one of our purposes mm-hmm. is to help the families that come to us to um, understand what they're going through mm-hmm. and just know the different steps of it. That's half the battle there, mm-hmm. understanding the grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just knowing you're not alone is one of the greatest comforts to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rhonda, for being here with us today. Um, I'd just like to remind everyone here listening that we do offer um, many support group materials and bereavement blogs on our blog that you can find on our website, clecem.org. You can also find us on social media at clecems. Um, please, if you like this podcast, um, like it, review it. It really helps us raise awareness in the podcast community that this podcast exists. And if you have any topics or questions that you want us to cover in the podcast, you can email us at podcast at clecem.org and we will answer those questions. Join us next time when we talk about eight attainable resolutions for the bereaved. Until next time, take care, everybody. Thank you.